As a single professional, I had debt and no savings after my divorce. I always wonder how I can start investing in real estate to secure my future. I studied programs that gave me all the benefits of investing in real estate. Some claim I could start with no money, but I could not find one that gave me the practical, actionable steps I needed. As a wealth advisor, I've met people that own real estate, but weren't ahead financially. They were rich, but they weren't wealthy. Then I finally realized that there was one vital component missing that makes someone become wealthy or not. And on the show, I will reveal what I found and give you the step-by-step -step actions to start investing in real estate and increase your wealth. My name is Araceli. Let's get started. Welcome everyone. This is Araceli, Transition Wealth Advisor and real estate investor in the US and Canada. Today, I have a very nice lady that I actually just met a couple of weeks ago in a real estate investing uh, summit that we both attended. And it was really nice talking to her. And I think I want you to know a little bit about more how she got herself into real estate. So Corrent holds a PhD in second languages from the University of Ottawa. And she's a part-time professor. And she's the co-founder and co-host of the Unconventionally Voices podcast. And all the links are below. I really encourage you to listen to her podcast. She has very interesting things to say. So, Corinne, tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you created this podcast. Okay, so our, well, I'm, like you mentioned, I am a part-time professor at the University of Ottawa. Uh, I teach uh, in languages, so second language education. Um, I also teach qualitative research um again part-time and in terms of the podcast how it got started it's because I was questioning my whole academic route so I was asking myself what is it that I truly want to do after my PhD mm -hmm. what are the other alternatives beyond a tenured uh, professor pathway mm -hmm. um and I started listening to other people's podcasts I saw a lot of uh, PhD graduate who weren't necessarily in the academic realm. So I said, huh, maybe there are other things that I can do. Um, I've already had a stint in the government, so I knew that wasn't necessarily for me. So then I, start, I started really questioning the whole academic organization. Why doesn't it prepare you for anything other than uh, professor and tenureship? So then I, um, I asked one of my co well he was my teaching assistant for one of my courses and i'm like do you want to start a podcast i'm questioning the whole institution would you be interested and he said yes and that's how the unconventional voices started the unconventional voices because we're not we're talking about um all the alternative routes to academia we're talking about socio and economic issues while you're doing your phd after you're you're after you're done your phd etc so we're really coming um we're really attacking the subject of graduate studies from an yeah. unconventional way well that's amazing so you are already a disruptor <laughs> that's what i call it right but you being so busy and having so high studies I know you're a real estate investor. Tell me about that. How did that come about? What? Why did you want to become an investor? 
So I fell into in investing uh, by completely by accident. Um, and when you say I'm a disruptor, uh, I, that's actually very intuitive of you because my whole framework or my epistemology is critical race theory, where we're really questioning the whole and disrupting the whole status quo. So that was very um, perceptive of you. Um, so I, I came into it by accident because I started working at a really young age. I started working at 15 and I started putting money away at 15. Um, And then uh, at the time, my father said, oh, put your money away in um, Canada savings bonds. When he put money away in those uh, CSBs, the interest rate was really high during his time. But by the time my turn rolled around for me to invest in CSBs, the interest rate, if I'm not mistaken, back in the day was 0.05%. Oh, yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't how I, like, but I didn't understand any of that. Like interest yeah. rate, CSBs, investing, I didn't understand any of this. So um, I was, like again, I was very young, very lucky, still living at home, still doing my studies. And my neighbor decided to, um, that like he was, he reached retirement age and he wanted to purchase, like he wanted to sell his home. So my parents got talking to him and said, we have our daughter. She had put money away. Um, CSBs at the time were coming to an end also, like the whole government put an end to the Canada Savings Bonds Program. Um, So they said, well, she needs somewhere to put her money. This would be a good investment. Mm -hmm. And my neighbor was like, well, okay, we can we can have an arrangement. Uh, we knew the house. We we like we had been his neighbor for a while. We knew the house. We knew who he was. We knew he had changed the furnace, water tank, uh, done the roof, done the flooring, like all those important things that yeah. you would actually go in and have an invest um, an inspector check for you. We knew he had it done. So that's how I got my first home, which was off the market through conversation with my neighbor, and completely by accident because my parents told me like. CSBs low invest in a home you'll have money in the future well so there's a, actually a few things that I just want to point out here in your story first of all your parents encourage you to save right yes yeah and, but they only knew one thing which is the Canada yes. savings bonds and yes. as you know things change over time drastically and so but you follow their advice and because you were perceptive or your parents were perceptive about the changes around the environment and what happened in the neighborhood they said okay you know they understood that now the savings bonds didn't pay that much so they say okay why don't you just buy that so this is so important because you know what you are very fortunate that your parents encouraged you at an early age to do that. Not everybody is the same. And I'm telling you, because that's my story. Uh, and it's not because they didn't want to. I believe that my parents wanted the best thing for me. However, they didn't know any better. And they only encouraged me to do, um, you know, to follow my career and become an employee and I'll be happy ever after, which it doesn't really happen. So tell me about, so what happened to this property? What did you do with it? Uh, How did it become um, an investment property? So from the get-go, like I knew I wasn't going to live in it because it was, um, like, I I just knew I wasn't going to live. Like, it's my house. It's my home. Eventually, I would like to, but eventually in the future, future, I would like to, it's my first baby. I'll never sell it. Yeah. (laughs) But at the point where I had purchased the house, 
I knew I was still living at home, so I wasn't ready to move out because I was still in school. Yeah. So, um, and my parents were like, uh, "It's it's probably a good idea if you rent it." So a lot, a lot of, uh, <laughs> I took a lot of advice, good advice from my parents. So they said it's probably a good idea if you rent it. So that's how I got into it. So um, again, I knew nothing. I knew nothing of renting. I knew nothing of ownership. I knew absolutely nothing. I went in um, blind, and I'm I'm very glad I did because the more I listen to the podcast, more debate I hear about renting is better than purchasing or purchasing is better than renting. Uh, if you purchase your, your, you have like a whole responsibility. You have to make sure like the driveway is clean. You mow the lawn. Like if anything happens to the house, it's your responsibility. But I went in there without any knowledge of that, um, any knowledge. So I was like, and it was the best thing for me because I went in there cold. I rented it out. Yes, I had a few bad apples, but I also have a property manager um, and that absolutely helped manage the bad apples, helped me manage the whole rental property. Um, if, if anything happens, I have insurance on the water tank, um, the furnace, the AC. Like, so I pay monthly. I have insurance if anything happens. So peace of mind. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, yes, things can go wrong. Yes, you may have bad tenants, but there's things you can put in place to mitigate those risks. And oh, I'm glad, absolutely. I'm so glad I, I went in there cold without overthinking it because I wouldn't have done it if I knew all of those details. Oh yeah, absolutely. You see, this is one of the things that a lot of people that they want to start in real estate don't understand. There is so many moving parts in the whole transaction, the whole maintenance of everything that people don't really understand it fully. And some of them, like yourself, you are, you know, moving forward. Okay. You're learning. You're saying, okay, well, this happened. How can I mitigate that? And that is very good of you but also for this is for our viewers people need to understand what they are what mm -hmm. are they capable of doing and what are they willing to do as well because i believe everybody's capable of maintaining real estate it is not a rocket science uh it is sometimes a little bit annoying a little bit difficult but that goes with the territory i think what you gain it just completely wipes out anything that it's inconvenience or not there. So tell me, what is the one thing that you don't like about real estate that kind of was hard for you to manage? Um, the frustration that maybe the tenants don't care about your house so much as, as much yeah. as you do. Um, because one, one of them, a funny story, um, they took my drapes. <laughs> When oh, I moved out, oh, no. and they claimed that it was theirs, but I'm like, oh, no, it, it, it's mine. But okay, I'll I'll let it go. Like, oh, gosh. it's gone. It's okay. I want you out of my house. Um. Also, I don't know what happened, but brand new floors. Like I told you, when my neighbor moved out, he had redone the floors, and they had a sofa or something. I feel like they took a nail to the floor and scratched it. Uh -huh. um, so those things are very annoying. But what I learned was it is absolutely necessary to, when when um, tenants move in, take pictures, pictures of everything. Yeah. Get them to sign that document. Yeah. Well, thank you for saying that because this is one of the things that I see people doing the transition. So if you've never been a real estate investor, you want your tenant to do exactly what you would do if you were in the house. 
taking care of it, repairing things, you know, making sure that as soon as something gets crashed, move around, whatever it is, that you fix it right away. Uh, that's how I like. But one of the things that people need to understand going into become a real estate investor is that you are not that person and you're actually renting the space and you have to kind of be a little bit detached of what happens to the house. Definitely there's going to be more wear and tear than your own property or the way that you would treat your own property. But that is, it's far not important when you're getting lots of appreciation and you're getting cash flow every month, right? It's, it's the cost of doing business. And if you are prepared to do that, the one thing that you could do is obviously use materials that are easily replaceable and that they don't need a lot of maintenance. So that is actually a really great point. So if, if, if you know somebody that is going to get started in real estate and they don't know anything about what what would be your advice knowing what you know today my first advice is um <laughs> but more that i i don't know if this is advice you would agree with but um in in the long run put more than five percent down payment put like at least a 20 percent so you don't have mm -hmm. to pay those extra fees because i mean everything takes away from your class your cash flow right so every little expense adds up and takes away from your cash flow so if you want that the most um, return uh pay put down that 20 percent down payment so that you don't have to pay the mortgage fees um own your furnace own your water tank because again that takes away from extra fees that you don't need yeah. to pay in the future um don't buy a house that is above and beyond your means definitely buy something that you can afford. Um, get a property manager. If you don't want to get your hands dirty, I know a lot of people say, oh, it's best if you get your hands dirty and you you get to know your house and you know how to fix things. Yeah, sure, if you have time. But I also have a part-time job on top of a full-time job. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not realistic for me to get phone calls at 2 a.m. in the morning. So get a property manager who will be able to take those calls and and take care of the situation immediately um and location 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 is key and don't go into a bidding war like i've been looking at houses for a very long time now just to see if i can purchase a second property mm -hmm. uh but they're too this they're too expensive and i don't want to go into a bidding war and um if it's a if it's a investment property like you just have to wear a different hat when yeah you're oh absolutely and you know you touch up in so many things and I think it's just by doing just remember real estate is a contact sport you actually have to do it I don't care how many books you've ever read about real estate if you really want to understand it for yourself because everybody's different right like everybody has different levels of comfort about what you do for example you like to uh, hire a property manager you don't want to deal with the tenants I still do my property management because it's easy, it's convenient, I like it, I have the time to do it. So you have to understand, and I think that's very important when you're becoming a real estate investor, to know exactly what your limitations are. And they're not bad, they're just yours in order to make your real estate investing successful, which you've done, and it's fantastic. Uh, so I really, really enjoy talking to you. This is something that a lot of people will really 
resonate with because your story is like many others that people just kind of fell into. I actually fell into real estate myself and it just happened to be something that I, I was never encouraged to do, but I ended up doing it. And believe me, I want more people to know this. And that's what I bring different people to share their story because everything keeps pointing out to the same things. So thank you so much, Corinne, for being here. I really appreciate your time and sharing your story, which I'm, I think many of the listeners are going to find very inspirational. Thank you for having me. You're welcome so much. And uh, guys, just remember, if you like to hear more stories like this, make sure that you subscribe and like and share your, the story. And we will see you in the next one. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here on the show. Please remember to subscribe and hit the notification bell to get notified when there are more shows available. And if you would like to have more information on how to start investing in real estate, please visit my website at www.arisalihernandez.com. Thank you.